golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. I love to play. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. I turn on the lights. I love to play. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 Ultimate I-4 in the house. Holly G, along with my right-hand caddy from the Golden Bear Club, Mr. Kevin Sternett. Hey, hey, hey. More like your golf coach, not your caddy. Hey, dude, you gave me the best, best golf tip two weeks ago, and uh, I am just striping it. I can't wait. I am not missing a fairway, dude. Well, I can't wait. Then um, um... I felt like Henrik Stenson. Henrik Stetson. Oh, my gosh. How great was that tournament? A just like me. Woo! How great was that tournament? Unbelievable. He said, I felt like it was my time. I believed it was my time. I managed to pull through and have a great finish. It was a battle until the end. It sure was. Epic. Everybody's talking about it. This is probably one of the best final rounds in years. They compared it to the Duel in the Sun with... The Golden Bear, Jack Nicholas and Tom Watson at Turnberry. And, uh, I mean, how about that clinching putt on 18, slamo jamo 63 to tie Johnny Miller's uh, famous 63 at Oakmont in the Which U.S. Do you Open. you think is better? Well, you know, I've heard conversation both ways I've today. Heard I've heard them both as well. Um, I feel, given the conditions... Um, that I, I'm, I'm, I go for Stenson's Oh, Johnny would be so mad at you. I know. He would be totally mad at me. You know, because obviously the golf courses are so different now from then. The ball is different. The clubs are different. The, um, the aura of the U.S. Open, the Open Championship. Um, uh, All of these guys have to deal with. Right. Uh, and be under the microscope, you know. Johnny had an amazing... But um, Johnny also came from behind. Right. That's what I was going to say, yeah. He also came from behind, which was a big deal back then. Um, Nowadays, guys get ahead and, and, you know, they just pour it on. Yeah, that was the 73 Open 43 years um, later. Uh, Good on Henrik. And speaking of Johnny Miller, he said he didn't know if... Stenson had the right stuff to win a major. I've always. How been do you like me fan. now, yeah. Johnny? How I've do you like me now? Him. Well, d- you know, does anybody remember the FedEx Cup from 2013? Oh my God! Yeah, he plowed through the Tour Championship. He got a run on a run during the playoffs and won the whole thing. It mm-hmm. was absolutely incredible. And I don't know that a lot of people know this, but you know, he went through a Stenson went through a terrible slump. I mean, he was back playing tournaments at his you know club in in Sweden. 
<laughs> and I mean, when when you talk about like really falling off your game, um, you know, for some for these guys to come back and to reach you know the pinnacle of their career again. I thought back at the FedEx Cup, just watching his ball strike, and, and, and at that point, his putting was hot, that he would be the next one to break through and kind of go on a tear. Uh, we didn't see it happen the next year. I thought, you know, that that would probably give him the confidence. But um, it's happened now, and at 40-something, as he said, 40's the new 30. Well, let me tell you, when he took off that shirt and I checked <laughs> out that chest and abs, I am all on board with you, Henrik. Hey, hey, this is PG. I'm sure my little boys are listening to me on the radio right now. They don't need to hear all that. Oh, but, you know, hey, it, that was nothing compared to when he uh, stripped down to his tidy whiteies. Yeah, they keep replaying At that. the WGC at Durrell. <laughs> so, um, you know, and he, he does what it takes yeah, in the I moment. Yeah, I give my props to him without a doubt. I've always admired him for how he battles and his swing and everything like that. Obviously, I don't like the way he kind of like stutters in his backswing, but I do admire him as a player. Um, and congratulations to the Open Championship. Well, and if you consider, and and let's not forget that it became basically a match play duel between Phil Mickelson and Henrik. And I, I mean, this was just this was just pure great golf, a dogfight, you know, heavyweight match, you know, one punching, one counter punching. It was it was just you know the kind of golf you love to watch, right? On a golf course like the Open Championship where anything can happen, you know, you can have a two-shot swing, a four-shot swing if they hit it in the gorse or, you know, have to back out of a pop bunker. So you you just never know. You're kind of on the edge of your seat, and it, it, that really gives you an idea. For these guys to shoot 65 and 63, I mean, who – you think, Phil, if you told him 65 would give you oh, second place on Sunday, that he'd be thinking he wasn't going home with the Claret Jug? Well, and that's the thing. Henry didn't. I mean, Phil didn't lose the tournament. Henrik won the tournament, and that's what you like to see. You don't like to see the collapse, you know, the guy making double bogey on 17 to lose the tournament. You know, he won the tournament, and it was great to see. You know, and one thing that, you know, has always stood out with me and, and uh, Phil Mickelson, you know, I looked at, I look back on Phil's career, and where would Phil be if he wasn't in the Tiger era? How many championships would he win? He had 11 runner-ups in major championships, 11. And how many runner-up finishes he's had over his career in other tournaments besides the Tiger events. So, And now the Henrik comes along and snatches another one from him. I mean, good gosh, poor, poor Phil. And how many people were thinking after hole number one when he bogeyed and it really hit two kind of, you know, not-so-great shots, you would think most players would be rattled and – you know, you could just see it. Okay, they're they're gonna tank. They're gonna be down. It's all downhill from here, right? Right. But he bounced back immediately with a birdie on hole number two, and uh, away they went. Wait, well, birdie two, three, four, fifteen, six. fourteen, fifteen, sixteen on the backside. Yeah. I mean, it was absolutely just uh, so fun to watch, and they're just feeding off of each other. And like like Henrik said, he knew that. Uh, Phil was not going to back down. That Phil always seems to play his best when he gets into the, his the worst situations, which we saw that several times. There were a couple of times when I thought, and I tweeted, "Uh oh, I think we're going to have a Phil moment," but it didn't happen. And uh, the other great thing, Kevin, the golf course and the golfers were the story of the tournament. You know, the RNA did officials. a great job. 
in terms of how they manage the conditions of the course. And we got to watch just incredible golf on Sunday. Right. Yeah. You're listening to the Golf Insiders. We're wrapping up coverage from the Open Championship, and we've got a lot more to talk about. Stay with us. 96.9 The Game. We'll be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. We're back. The Gulf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Howie G along with my caddy extraordinaire, Kevin Sternett from the Golden Bear Club. And we're going to waste no more time. We're going to go to one of our favorite Gulf Insiders. And he has been to many an open championship and uh, even carted back a few tchotchkes for Holly G in his suitcase. My favorite, favorite British Open coffee mug, which I was sipping my Guinness in on Sunday with my green eggs and ham. Mike Kern from the Philadelphia Daily News. Hello, my friend. You can't even leave me alone when I'm on vacation. I know. I tracked you down. This is what my life is called. You were going to owe me. You know that. (laughs) Well, I yes, I do know this. And uh, there there will be some cocktails in your future. Yeah, I need that like I need a hole in my head. <laughs> uh, so, Mike, I know you've uh, you've been to you know many many open championships and uh, I was have the Royal Troon in two thousand four. Absolutely, when uh, Mr. Leonard won, and you have covered golf no, for was, years. That was Mr. Hamilton. Oh, Mr. Hamilton! How could I that forget? Was Mr. Hamilton, Todd yeah. Hamilton, not to be confused with the skater Scott Hamilton. Yeah, I think that's the only thing he ever won. It's funny how okay. once in a while we do have, um, you know, somebody that comes from obscurity. But that was not the case on Sunday. Uh, give us your overview of this amazing, amazing duel on Sunday. Well, I mean, it was Turnberry. Only it wasn't Nicholas and Watson, you know, even though it was Mickelson. Um, I mean, if that had been, just say for sake of argument, Tiger and Phil doing that on, you know, um, or or Matt, let's say it was McElroy and Phil or talk. I mean, everybody would have just been, you know, and as it was, I mean, it was, and this is the funny thing to me is it's the second time in four majors that somebody has shot 20 under um, because they did it last year at the PGA. And I think speech was 17 under in that major, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, yet nobody gets all alarmed that people are shooting 20 under yet. You go to a U.S. open and if somebody shoots two under, you know, everybody, you know, has to, you know, get a pistol and keep it away from themselves. It's amazing. I mean, those two guys, the level of golf on Sunday, I mean, here's what Phil did in this tournament. He lipped out for for a 63 on the first day, shoots 65 on the last day without a bogey, and loses two strokes to the guy he's chasing. It was just, you know, it was, um, it was, it was incredible stuff to watch. It really was, I think. You know, I know 77 at Turnberry was special because of what they did and who was doing it. But this was right up there with that. I mean, these two guys were 12 shot. I mean, you know, Phil could have, what, 11 putt at the last green and still got second place or something like that. Um, yeah. You know, Talk I mean, about- and good for, look, good for Stenson because he was he kind of gets lost in the equation. Best golfers never have won a major. You know, we look at Sergio or Westwood um, probably leaving somebody out. Well, it was Dustin until he won the U.S. Open. 
Um, but this guy has been a pretty serious golfer for a while. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I think everybody's rooting for Phil because that's what we do. We root for Phil. And it'll be interesting now because now they go to Baldessrol next week um, because of the Olympics. You have these two majors in three weeks. And Phil won at Baldessrol in 205. So maybe, you know, he carries that over. I know it's tough to play well in back-to-back majors, but because they're so close together, you know, maybe – I mean, wouldn't that be something if Phil – I mean, I'm sure Phil's going over pretty high expectations. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, and I, I mean, and just playing fantastic golf. I, I mean, you know, at the end of end of it, I'm, you know, they had to have a good handshake, and they, they certainly had some tremendous sportsmanship out there, which was great to see. But I think if you're Phil, you're, you're just kind of going, what happened? You know, I mean, how do you, how do you put those four rounds together and, and, and come up short? Well, that's the thing about golf is you can't play defense. You know, it's it's not like basketball or football or, or you know even tennis. You can kind of play defense in tennis, but you're, you know you're out there doing the best you can. You can't determine what Henrik's doing. And you know, um, I think everybody at the first hole when Phil came out and birdied and Henrik three putts, and you say, okay, boy, that's you know Henrik doesn't have it today. Right here you know, it I mean, goes. He, he he three putted twice and shot sixty three. I mean, you know, 10 birdies in the final round of a major on a course that, you know, other than those two guys, the best score, I think, was six under. So it wasn't like they were just tearing the place apart. Um, it, it was just, you know, I think sometimes you, I've always said this, sometimes it's your week, it's your turn. And that was Henrik's turn. And it just so happened that Phil kind of, you know, it could have been Phil's turn for the sixth time in a major and it would have been, but, you know, Phil's playing so well. I don't know how long he can keep it up. He's 46. But I don't think there's any reason he can't go to Baldur's Roll and be a factor. I think he should be on the Ryder Cup team. I mean, that, I don't know if he's going to make it, but he should be a captain's pick at worst. And, you know, looking ahead even to, like, next year, I think Phil's still got some good golf in him. I mean, at some point he's going to show his age. But right now, I mean, he's playing about as well as, you know, almost anyone after. He just doesn't have a win to show for it. How about Steve Stricker, 49 years old, only having played, I guess, 11 events last year. Golf's kind of become his hobby. Has one of his best finishes ever in a major, uh, you know, yeah. in fourth place. Yeah, and I think sometimes, too, and I'm not taking anything away from Steve. I, I, he'd be great for him. I think sometimes when you know you can't win, and I think there was a certain point in that tournament where everybody else knew they couldn't win, they were kind of playing for third, I think it's a little easier. That, that's just my take on it. You know, I think it's it's when when you know you're looking at that leaderboard the last two days, there was two guys playing their own tournament and the rest of the field was playing their tournament. I mean, you saw Jason Day at one point look like he was going to maybe creep back into it, and then you know that's the hard thing in a major. It's hard to keep going like that. It's hard to put three or four really good rounds together. I mean, Phil had the, the okay round, I guess, on Saturday with the one round where he shot like even par, but he just shoot 63 and 65 in a major and not win. I don't know how many times that's happened. Um, you know, maybe at Riviera in 95 when the scores were real low and there were some good rounds out there, but that that's hard to do. And, but I don't think that's any consolation to Phil. I mean, I think he realizes that his chances, you know, he doesn't have a lot of chances left. It's not like he's 35. Um, and when you get a chance, you want to take advantage of it. And, you know, now I think he's finished second more times in a major than anybody but Jack. But I don't think he takes any consolation in that either. He's 
you know, Phil, Phil's a great golfer, but I think eventually people are going to look at his career and say, man, he was this close to being, like, really, really great, like, you know, a 10-time major winner, or, you know, something that might have put him on the, the Mount Rushmore maybe. But he's still going to go down as a great champion and, and the second-best golfer of his era in an era where the best golfer was either first or second all time. Yeah, a guy named Tiger Woods, which, you know, certainly... Yeah, he, 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 yeah. By, by the way, why is it news that he's not playing in the PGA? <laughs> Have I missed something? Has this guy not played since last August? Why is it news that Tiger says, hey, I'm not playing in the PGA, and then, and then his agent says, you're not playing the rest of the year. Really? Like, we expected him to play in the PGA? And think about the state of golf when Tiger is still big news. The guy hasn't swung a club in anger in a year, and yet he still gets headlines. It's it's amazing to me. But I understand why. I get it. But, you know, anybody that thought Tiger was playing, you know, after seeing him hit those balls that one day into the water from 110 yards out, that's what I do, not what Tiger Woods does. Yeah, absolutely. That was probably not one of the better PR moments from his no, from no. his team, um, other than maybe putting Natalie Gulbis in the Republican convention last night. But um, I digress. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people probably don't know, uh, Mike, that and we we mentioned it in the opening segment that Henrik went into a pretty deep slump for about three years from 2010, yeah. I think, to 2012. I mean, you know. I mean, he completely lost his game, and Wasn't then that after his agent stole his money. Yeah, exactly. Money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Had that horrible financial situation. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, where he was. I, you know, they were saying he was back playing games at his club. You know, his, at his country club in Sweden or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. of course, he went on that you know hot streak in the in the fall in 2013 and and won the FedEx Cup. And I thought at that point, you know, he just he played like he did. You know, at this tournament, that he he was just going to break through and and be the next you know uh, champion, big champion. Well, you know, golf is full of stories like that, though. Holly. I mean, you know, Tiger went through two periods in his career where he was struggling, and people were saying, you know, have we seen the last of Tiger? I mean, think about that. It seems absurd to have said that then, but we did. You know, Jordan Spieth now is like asking, why is everybody asking? See, this is the problem with golf is Jordan Spieth has a, a great year last year, okay? And then we all say, well, he's going to do that every year. No, he's not. That was the greatness of Tiger was he did it for 10 years at a, a goofy level. And I'm not saying Jordan Spieth might not win eight or nine or ten majors or whatever Jordan Spieth is going to do, but he might go three or four years without winning a major. I don't know this, but <laughs> this is golf. Rory McIlroy hasn't won a major in a couple of years. Jason Day will probably go through his period where – you know, he struggles a little. Dustin Johnson, that's golf. You cannot be Jack Nicklaus at times in his career where he, you know, didn't win for a couple of years. Everybody was saying, well, what's wrong with Jack? You cannot play at the level these guys play at, you know, being number one in the world, number two in the world, whatever, and just continually do it. You can't. And that's what makes to me what Tiger did for the better part of 10 years or 11 years, whatever it was. And Tiger still had the time in 98 and 99, 98 where he stunk or was changing his swing. He had the period in 2003 and 2004 where he didn't win and yet still won 14 majors. And these guys are now starting to understand what it's like to try to be Tiger Woods. It is not easy trying to live up to that. And Jordan, you know, got a little snippy last week. Not snippy. That's, <laughs> that's a bad word. But questioning why people were questioning him. 
because, you know, let's face it, since the Masters, and he has won since the Masters, but he didn't have two, a, a great U.S. Open and he didn't have a great British Open. He might not have a great PGA. I don't know that. Or he might win the PGA. But this is what golfers go through, even at the highest level. And guys who aren't quite at the highest level, we see, you know, I cover Sean O'Hare. He's a Philadelphia guy now, transplanted. And Sean, five years ago, <laughs> was one of the best under 30 golfers, you know, on the planet. And Sean struggled now for like three, four, five years. I don't know if Sean's going to get it back or what he's going to do, but he's got, you know, he's got four wins on tour. Think how many guys his age, I think he's 32 or 33, have four wins. Not a lot. So golf is a strange sport because it's 90% between the years. And, you know, you never know. But to play at a Tiger-like level or a Jordan Spieth level from last year or a Jason Day level of the last year, boy, try doing that for like nine or ten straight years. I just don't think it's possible. We're talking to the one, the only longtime golf columnist for the Philadelphia Daily News, Mike Kern. And uh, Kevin, you had a comment? Well, I think that, um, you know, being a golfer and, you, you know, you go out, you practice every day, um, mentally, I think, is, is the big thing. And some of these guys, I think like all those guys who show up on Monday, they all have the ability. That, that thought process and that confidence that I'm going to win this week. And if somebody is sitting with their sports psychologist or they're sitting with their golf coach or whatever and things just click, well, I'm sorry for the rest of the field, but that guy's going to win. And to sustain like, like what you were saying with Jason Day and Jordan Spieth, to do that week after week after day after day, it is very, very, very hard. And it's so, it's so competitive out there. It's, you know, I mean, you look at guys playing baseball and they're hitting 250, 25%, you know, hitting the ball or basketball, shooting at 40% or whatever it is. And we're expecting these guys to hit it to 10 feet, 5 feet every time. It's just, it's unattainable. I don't think people understand, not just in golf, but but what it takes to be an athlete at that level. I'm not talking just about Jordan Spieth or Warrior. I'm talking about the 50th best player in the world to get to that level. And the difference between the 50th best player in the world and the 10th best player in the world probably isn't much. Mm-hmm. And that's why we see fluctuations a lot. What they have to put into it to be that good every single day. You know, we looked at Tiger and his work ethic, and you look at some of these guys, and Tiger changed the whole dynamic of what a work ethic is for these young guys coming up. What they put into it, it's sick. But that's what makes them special is that they can do it. And have that whatever it is, you know, obviously you have to have the talent, but then you have to work with your talent. You have to, you know, over years. Look at Phil's career. Phil's been out here 25 years and, and, and changed things, changed coaches, did this, did that. Couldn't win a British Open because he didn't have the game. Now he can win British Opens. It, it's just I'm amazed at how much, how, how how much those guys put it. We, we'll never understand what a Jason Day or a Jordan Spieth or a Rory McIlroy puts into being Jason Day or Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy. We, 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 is, we can't comprehend it because it's just it's, it's something that's just out there and, and they can do it, and that's what sets them apart. While at the same time balancing family and uh, travel and all the, all the rest of it in terms of you know, just having a balanced life, I, I couldn't agree 
more, Mike. And uh, speaking of which, I'm just amazed. When, I'm just amazed when I wake up in the morning. Well, yeah. and I know that uh, I got to be careful here because uh, I'm sure it's time to take that beautiful wife of yours to dinner since you're on vacation. So we appreciate or you. I could ju- or I could jump in the pool, one or the other. Oh, there you go. Well, we appreciate always your time, Mike Kern from the Philadelphia Daily News. Check him out. Okay, one of the best. Know. Thank you so much. I'll see you later. All right, you're, you're listening to Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Lots more golf talk. Stay with us. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. If we could just miss We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with Kevin Sternett from the Golden Bear Club. And uh, another major coming up this week in Scotland, the Senior Open Championship at Carnoustie. Kevin, the defending champion, is Marco Dawson. He played a great round last year. He sure did. And uh, Lydia Ko. Winning the LPGA Marathon Classic. It was a marathon. It was. Uh, We're going to talk about that in in just a minute. But uh, we're going to go next to one of our favorites from Global Golf Post, Steve Eubanks, who's out at the UL International Crown, the LPGA event happening, the the team event that's happening this week. And uh, we want to talk to him about that as well as his thoughts on the Open Championship. Hey, Steve. How are you, Holly? Doing well. Now, you're another guy who's covered golf for many years and covered all the tours and have been to various Open Championships and many majors. Uh, Does it get any better than Sunday? Uh, 86 Masters. That's about the only one I can I was going to say that, too. Mm, Yep. Um, Jack's big win. You know, Everybody goes with uh, with uh, seventy seven at uh, Turnbury, and and I was I was I tell you I was fourteen at the time, and do, do remember watching it with my father and uh, thinking, wow, could it get any better than that? But uh, the eighty six Masters was uh, with, it, it's still the top of the list, but this is a close close second. It was tremendous. I can't think of a, a better one. Certainly a better Open. I can't think of a better one. Uh, and in terms of modern day majors, holy smokes, this was tremendous. Let me ask you about the 63 in the final round. Uh, which do you choose, Johnny Miller's at Oakmont or Stenson's on Sunday? Oh, Stenson's, no doubt. I mean, Stenson's simply because he was in the final group and he needed it to win. Uh, that's the thing. I mean, it's one thing to be free, you know, off early and freewheeling it. Um, it's another to, to be in the final group, no, you know, playing against the guy that's pushing you the entire way. And know that you, you, know, you, you need that or close to that in order to win the championship. And he delivered. Well, and you were one when uh, Johnny Miller was shot 63 and 73. I think I was two, so we didn't get a chance to really uh, watch that one like we did on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> it's not as though the, the you know, and look, majors were different back then. I mean, there were plenty of people in the gallery, but uh, but there it wasn't as the intensity and the crowds and the television coverage and all of the media out there. Um, th- there wasn't the hoopla surrounding it that there is now. And, the and prize so for Stenson to be able to perform the way he did uh, it is, in my estimation, one of the greatest in major championship history. And one Perhaps of the, the greatest. And one of the toughest guys to stare down, especially under these circumstances, and Phil Mickelson. Yeah, I mean, that's it's not like that. You know, this was not Bob May out there. <laughs> um, or Todd Hamilton. 
Right. Yeah. No. This 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 is Phil, and and you know Phil has a uh, has a warm gallery everywhere he goes. So certainly, you know, there were there were people out there rooting for him the entire way. Um, but for Henrik to be able to play alongside him, staring down, do what he did. Um, I mean, look, I, I just can't speak highly enough of it. I think we'll be going back years from now and looking at this Sunday and saying, wow, just as we did on Sunday when we watched it live. And talk about growing the game. Uh, you know, the first man to win uh, a major in Sweden. We all know what Annika did for uh, women's golf in Sweden, but this is sure going to be big for their country. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, you, and you think of all the great Swedish players that have come through there. I mean, uh, for, for Henrik to be the first is, uh, I mean, it's quite an accomplishment, certainly. It's a little bit of a surprise, too. I mean, they've had a uh, a tremendous run of, of very good players that have come through and, uh, you know, been close. But uh, but he he does have the mantle of being the first. And very gracious uh, in his, his win and, and actually acknowledging uh, Parnovic and many of, you know, his fellow Swedes that, you know, have kind of paved the way and came up a little short that, you know, the trophy was, was equally, uh, uh, you know, something he wanted to share with them as well. Oh, that's, that's great. I mean, he is, I mean, for the people who only know him through the television coverage, he's, you know, he's not the ice man that everybody thinks. He may be the funniest guy that you've ever been around. Completely uh, dry wit, um, really, really a, a wonderful person. I, I, I can't speak highly enough of him. Uh, one of my favorites on tour. Now, he said when he, he met uh, Jordan, he said, I could be your father, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you know, kind of how his sense of humor is. He's, he just really that's is exactly. a, a super likable guy. That's exactly right. Incredibly dry and really, really funny. So uh, fill us in. You uh, obviously are on the beat for the LPGA, and it's a big tournament this week. Lydia Ko winning in another great playoff last week at the Marathon Classic out in California, Cardamol. And uh, what, what, you know, things are really heating up there. They really are. I mean, we're in, uh, we're in Chicago now for the UL International Crown, and it is a great event. I mean, for, for an international team event to have taken off with the speed with, that this one has is, Really extraordinary, I think. I mean, you look at those early Solheim Cups, as I've said all week. I mean, uh, some of those early ones looked like a club championship. There was nobody out there. Uh, and then, of course, the Ryder Cup, it took decades to become what it has become now. Uh, this thing is in its second playing, and it's already a very, very big deal. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that all of the players bought into it. Uh, they're excited about it. They start talking about making the team. Uh, that They really uh, pump it throughout the two-year period before it's held. So, um, it, you know, that, that has a lot to do with it. But, uh, but I think the fans have bought in as well. I and mean, that's, you know, that's a huge part of this. Yeah, uh, I was talking to Mika Miyazato, one of our members at the Golden Bear Club the other day, and she was super excited to be heading up to Chicago. She was playing she was for really Japan. Ex- playing for Japan, and uh, she was really excited about the opportunity to get a chance to play for her country uh, on, that, on that kind of scale as well. So... I know she's up there. You've got Stacey Lewis, Lexi Thompson, Jarena Pillar, uh, Christy Kerr for the Americans. What a strong, strong field that is. Um, I've been watching a lot of their interviews and stuff like that, and they're all very, very excited about this tournament. Um, and they're not taking anything away from the, the Solheim Cup or the Olympics or anything else, but they're just focused on this and what a great event it is, having those eight teams playing um, that you wouldn't, uh, you know, that you wouldn't see. I love the format. I think it should be the same kind of format that they have for the Olympics. 
uh, that team rivalry and having that champion come out at the end. What do you think there, Steve? Oh, I think absolutely. I really think that the, the team aspect of this is what makes this event. And if you think about it, other than the Americans, this is the only time these other players get to play for their country. I mean, in the Solheim Cup, they're playing for a continent. Well, who tears up when the European anthem starts playing? Nobody. But I can guarantee you when the English anthem is played tomorrow that those, those girls from England are going to get a lump in their throat. When, uh, two years ago, when Sweden was the first out and the, uh, the Swedish anthem was played, Pernilla Lindbergh broke down in tears. It was, it was a spectacle to see. And that's when I realized what a big deal this was going to be. Uh, it, it's the only time that, the, that these Asian players have the opportunity to play for their country. So you know, they are as excited about this as anything that we play all year. Steve, um, interestingly, Spain that uh, caused the upset against the Americans last year, not qualifying or playing in this year's International Crown. The defending champs. Really just, yeah, really just shows the depth of the competition out here, that, uh, that the defending champion doesn't even make field. Uh, nor did Sweden. I mean, Sweden was, was a, a really powerhouse contender last time. Uh, and this time in their place, you have England and China. So, uh, you know, it, it's... Uh, it's really difficult to make this team. It's really difficult for your country to qualify for this team. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons that the players really take this thing so seriously. You know, Steve, if you don't mind, um, maybe so our listeners can understand how you qualify for this. Because uh, if you look through, you have South Korea, United States, Japan, Australia, Chinese Taipei, Thailand, China, England. No Lydia Ko in New Zealand. Now, she was born in South yeah, it, Korea, but she's not on the rank, South yeah, Korean it, team. It, it's based on world rankings, but it's based on world rankings for the four players that are, you know, the top four players that are in your field. Lydia, of course, is number one in the world. There's nobody else in New Zealand that, that's anywhere uh, sniffing the world rankings right now. Right. Uh, so that's, you know, that's one of the problems. Brooke Henderson is another example. I mean, you would think Canada would be in this, but she's number two in the world. And then, you, you know, you kind of tumble down the list. Uh, before you find the next on the world ranking. So you have to have the, you know, the average team world ranking has to be, you know, in the top eight. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. So our listeners are. Yeah, well, it sounds like there could still be some, some further tw- tweaking because I don't know, in, given that circumstance, if you want to have two of those top, you know, top players being left out of the competition. However, you know, it is about qualifying, so that's understandable. Yeah, and again, this is all this is all part of the team aspect of this. You know, you want you want this thing to be a team event. Uh, in order for it to work, where you're you know you're out there playing four balls, you, you have to have four players. Uh, so that's you know, that, that's how they ended up with with where they are. So who's well, your pick for the week? Um, my pick, of course, is Korea. That's the easy pick. They're the number one seed. I think in terms of depth, they have the most depth out here. My my dark horse pick is England. Uh, making their first appearance. Uh, when you look at the way the English have played recently, they, they have uh, they've got a lot of tremendous players on that squad, led by Mel Reed. She's kind of the emotional leader out here. But they also have played in these kinds of events growing up. I mean, uh, Jody Shadoff and Mel Reed were talking yesterday. Uh, they've been playing four balls and foursomes their whole lives together. So uh, they have an advantage over a lot of the other competition in that the format suits what they've done their whole lives. Uh, Steve, we're you know with the with the schedule being all um, discombobulated this year, with of course the Olympics next week, we go to Baldestral and the PGA Championship almost a month earlier than normal. So coming off the Open, do you think this is going to 
help some of the players because there's so little time in between? And who do you have your eye on? You know, I do think it will help. I, you know, I, I know there's going to be a lot of guys who are tired. They're going to be, you know, you'll have a lot of exhaustion involved. But golf is a game of streaks. And, you know, the guys who have got the hot putters now are likely to have it next week. Um, so I, I actually really think this is going – you're, you're going to see the guys who played well in the Open continue to play well at that PGA. And I like Rory McIlroy. I think he made, he made good runs uh, in Scotland. He didn't make great runs. But, uh, you know, he played well enough uh, that, that we saw signs of the brilliance we've seen in the past. Yeah, we were talking about uh, there were seven players that shot in the 60s on Sunday, and we barely heard from any of them. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it it was a two-man show from the get-go on Sunday. It was. Well, Steve, as always, we appreciate you spending some time with us. Steve Eubanks, check out Global Golf Post. You can get it every Monday in your email box free. Just go to globalgolfpost.com. Thanks, Steve, so much. Thanks, Holly. See you soon. All right. You're listening to the Golf Insiders. More golf talk coming up. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so lean and mean. I got good eyesight. I'll be all right. I get my dentures shine. We're back. We're back, the Golf Insiders, wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G, along with Kevin Sternett from the Golden Bear Club. And, uh, hey, you know, there was another tournament going on simultaneously with the Open Championship. And hats off to Aaron Baddeley. Winning the Barbasol Championship in a while for him, Kevin. Aaron Baddeley, yeah, I haven't seen his name up on a leaderboard in quite some time, so congratulations to him. And the tour is heading to the RBC champ, champion Canadian Open. Yeah. I have championship in my head. Um, and the defending champ, Jason Day, right, which uh, warmed it up for him before the PGA. So uh, two, two times a charm for uh, Jason. What do you think? Yeah, I mean he um, he started getting it going late on uh, on Sunday at the uh, at the Open Championship. So yeah, I think he could do really well this week. I think there's a lot of golf. He was traveling back and forth, back and forth. I mean, he was just in the states and he went over to Scotland. Now he's in Canada. Now he's back over. He's going to go to Baltimore. It's a lot of travel. Yeah, well, I I think it's uh, going to be. Um a great tournament to watch, especially given I think some guys, you know, will be teeing it up to uh, keep the mojo going as um, the PGA this right right around the corner at Baltusstraw, uh, almost a month early. And so, I mean, these majors are coming fast and furious. Hard to believe it's the fourth major already, and uh, you know, then we're on to the Olympics, we and were then just talking about Danny Will in the Masters. I know it's uh, crazy great, right? So, speaking of crazy great things, you know at the Golf Insiders, we always like to fill you in on the hottest and latest, greatest products. And uh, there's one that's been creating a lot of buzz the last couple of years, uh, largely based on the, the two principles behind the company. And um, uh, this, this, uh, this driver, it's not easy to launch a new company in golf, as we know, but um, this product is called the High Heat, and it was named Best Product 
ingenuity by the International Network of Golf and has gotten numerous, numerous accolades from uh, many of the equipment writers in the business. And they are going to be here in Florida next week. And I'm very happy to have one of the partners of Knuth Golf and the High Heat Driver, Steve Tratner, on the line to tell us about this uh, whirlwind demo days they're going to have in Central Florida where uh, our listeners can go check out this great new driver. Hey, Steve, well, thanks hi, for being Holly. on. Thank, thank you so much for having us and inviting us to your wonderful program. And we are very excited. We're bringing the high heat uh, to uh, your area uh, on July 26th, 27th, 28th, and 29th. It's next week. And we'll be at the Villages um, at the Palmer Legends on the 26th. And on the 28th, the Villages Sarasota Golf Practice. And the, on the 29th, on Friday, the Sarasota Golf uh, Practice again, Center. And then on Tuesday, closer to your area in Lake Mary, we're going to be at Timaquan um, Golf and Country Club. Yeah, actually, so I, I think that's going to be Wednesday, right, on the 27th? That's Wednesday. Yes. That's Wednesday, I'm sorry, Wednesday, J- July 27th, and it's from 9 to 1 o'clock at each of those places, and they're exclusive demos, and we were just, you know, very, very excited. As, as you uh, know, we were out at, at the Ing annual conference this past year at the demos, and we had rave reviews from there, and we sold more clubs than, than any other major brand at all the demos we've had. Uh, and we've been on the West Coast, but now we're coming to the East Coast and in your area, so we're very excited about that. Well, I want to give a little background to our listeners because it's not like you're just a couple of guys that uh, decided to you know, design a club in, in your basement. Uh, <laughs> your, your partner, Dean Knuth, is a former USGA senior director. He's actually uh, nicknamed the Pope of Slope for inventing yeah. the USGA's course rating and slope system and yeah. uh, you know, is the a guy behind the, the design for the high heat. And uh, you as well were, I think, 16 years with the USGA, correct? Yes. I, I was actually the intellectual property attorney at, for the USG, USGA for over 20 years, and I represented Pebble Beach and Pinehurst, and uh, so I'm, I'm very much involved in the game of golf. But uh, Dean, uh, Dean and I worked together at the USGA, and, I mean, he, he's a genius. I don't, I don't know anything about golf design, but he had this idea of designing a golf club that would be designed from the ground up for amateurs because they have totally different needs in terms of based on their swing speed and their ability to hit the ball compared to the pros who consistently hit nearer on the center with 116 miles an hour swing speed. And he sat and explained to me that all golf manufacturers have a lot of grams of discretionary weight and how they use it to maximize the performance for their audience. And he said they use it for the pros and not the amateurs. And he had this idea that if you had, you used all these like 40, 50 grams of weight and put it so that the center of gravity is lower, much lower and much deeper than what the major brands do, this would be great for amateurs. So we were friends and we said, why don't we do it together? And that's, um, you know, that, and that's really what happened four years ago. And um, it took two years for... We had to go through four foundries to finally get a foundry who could make the driver that he wanted. And how you'll be fine. The first two said they would do it, but then they didn't. And we said, why not? They said, well, because all the major brands, they have a, a, a center of gravity forward and, and, and close to the, and, and higher up. 
and they said we didn't know what we were doing. And we said thank you. So we had to fire. I had to fire two of, of the foundries, and we finally found one that could do what he wanted. And as you as you recall, as you mentioned in your opening comments, Gary Van Sickle from Sports Illustrated said it was the greatest, the best technology of any club two years ago. And Dean was just named by Golf Inc. magazine as one of the top innovators in golf, and they. And they selected different categories. This is for amateurs. He was the only person who designed golf clubs. He was named, so that was quite an honor too. And um, we've just had rave reviews by amateurs who are thrilled that they can, you know, hit the ball longer and straighter with their swing speeds and their their ability to hit the, hit hit the hit the ball. So. Yeah. So the, the, basically, the concept is that you've got about twenty five percent deeper center of gravity, and uh, you know, which provides about twenty five percent higher moment of inertia and the bottom line is you have less off-center hits uh this is a phenomenal driver check it out online at knuth golf k-n-u-t-h golf it's called the high heat steve we'll have you back maybe we can uh, have you on next week or the week after but i i urge uh, all our listeners to go check it out particularly probably at uh, tim McQuan on wednesday and thank you so much steve tratner let me just get one point they don't have to be a member of that golf club. The golf club has said all people in, you know, are invited to come, and it's, so it's open to the public. Thank so, you, Steve. Thank you so much for having us on the show. All right. We love you. Thanks Thank for listening to the Golf Thanks. Insiders. We'll be back next week.